Welcome back to the LED Project Podcast brought to you by Lighthouse Educator Development. My name is Kyle Krieger and today we have on our good friend Liz Garcia of Courageous Feats. Liz, thank you for coming on with us today. Thanks for having me. Really excited about this. Awesome. So to get us started, what we'd like for you to do is tell everybody about your favorite teacher of all time. Oh, dang. Like I, I, when I hear the word favorite, like my brain branches off into three different directions, favorite for different reasons. Um, I'm going to have to say Coach Deb Royer. Um, she was my freshman year volleyball coach. And I met her in, in the summer between before summer, um, before freshman year of high school. And we were all on the bleachers doing step up, step downs, and we weren't supposed to be talking. And I don't even remember what I said, but it was like maybe one or two words to the girl next to me in a super secret, like quiet whisper like that. And somehow or another, Royer heard and she stopped everybody and made me and Jennifer Franks go down to the floor of the gym floor and to do fingertip push-ups. I didn't know what the heck a fingertip push-up push was, much less do one. Um, and I'll never forget, she said something like, those are sorry-ass excuses for fingertip push-ups. And I was like, ah! That was just her putting it on the front, trying to get us, you know, freshmen, intimidating us. She was the biggest softie. Um, and so that was freshman year. And she was with us for through different sports throughout high school. And I think she took me to the emergency room twice while... I was in high school, stitches both times, um, and she'll tell you that she's very proud of me for not getting blood on my uniform. <laughs> right. <laughs> Those things happen, and she's actually taken me to the emergency one room once as an adult as well. So, um, yeah, very grateful for Coach Royer, always there to, she's always had my back and um, has somehow or another um, helped take care of me through a crazy high school experience. <laughs> awesome. All right. Yeah. Every episode, we take a question from uh, our We Connect cards, which okay. is, again, uh, from a company called WeAnd.me, for those people that are looking for it. All right. What is an interesting skill that you have? Does it have to be valuable? <laughs> no, it does not. It just says interesting. Interesting skill. Hmm. Hmm. I think a skill I have, I don't know if everybody else will think this is interesting. I think it's interesting. Um, and that's what matters, right? Yes. <laughs> An interesting skill I think I have is the, I think I have the ability to create a safe space for people. Um, and what I mean by that is help people in small groups, large groups, even one-on-one -on -one, to kind of put, let their guard down. And oftentimes it's because I let my guard down first and share some really vulnerable and um, important pieces of myself that help other people kind of go, oh, okay, she's being real. So I think I can be real, real too. So I think awesome. that's one of my interesting skills. Awesome. Okay. So then do you have a book recommendation for Wait, the teachers out there? An interesting skill of yours. It's oh, not oh, an interesting skill I have. Um, 
That's how you build relationships, Kyle. Um, I think my awkwardness is an interesting skill <laughs> in the fact that I can use it uh, to generally take down the tension in a room or I can use it to my advantage rather than always being kind of handcuffed by it. Um, my, my awkwardness is a skill, I think. Nice. So, all right. Book recommendation for teachers. One book you think every teacher should read. Oh gosh. Just one. Um, you know that I'm a huge fan of Dr. Brene Brown. So I would say all of her books and her blogs and her everything. Um, but if I had to just pick one of those, I think, gosh, Okay, let me think. Go back to teaching. I really wish I would have known the lessons that I got out of the, the work she presents in Rising Strong when I was a teacher. So I would uh, highly recommend Rising Strong. And that's her latest book, Rising Strong um, by Dr. Bernie Brown. Awesome. Thank you. All right. So last thing to kind of get warmed up. Could you sum up for us what your educational philosophy is? My educational philosophy? Oh, I believe everyone is brilliant. I believe everyone has untapped capacities within them. Um, that are just waiting to come to come out. And I think it's important for us to create experiences for, for kids, for teachers, for, for friends where those, untapped skills and gifts and um can come through um yeah I don't I don't think I don't think that we should expect everyone to be at the same level at the same time that I struggle with I struggle with so much about the current system but that's not what the question was <laughs> but my philosophy is that we all have different gifts different strengths and it's important to have experiences where those gifts and strengths can um, be developed and it doesn't necessarily mean developed at the in the same way for everybody so it may develop one way for you and a different way for me and I think it's important for us to create different experiences for that to happen awesome okay so We'll, we'll get into what you do now for teachers, but let's, let's hear a little bit about your background in education and how you got to be where you are now. Gosh, I never thought I would be a teacher. I never thought I would be an educator. I, when I was growing up, I felt sorry for teachers, and I thought that's something I never, ever, ever want to do. Not because of anything I did, but because of what I saw other kids do to teachers. Um, yeah, I, I hated to see teachers being disrespected and I knew how hard teachers worked in that they didn't make enough money um, or they didn't make much money for, for the kind of work that they put into every day. Um, so I never thought I'd be a teacher. And I couldn't decide between whether I wanted to go to pharmacy school at UT or veterinary school at AM. So my dad said, just go to Southwest Texas and do your basics and then decide. So you don't have to spend all that money at those big schools until you know for sure. So I went to Southwest Texas. I started off with a major in chemistry. Ugh. And my junior year of college volunteered to be a big sister. 
at a local elementary school there and fell in love and changed everything and uh, became an education major and actually ended up student teaching and taught at the same school where I volunteered to be a big sister. So that's kind of where it all started. I taught second grade, I taught third grade, and I was an instructional coach for a K through four elementary campus. And where were those located? San Marcos, Texas. Yeah, I, I was at Travis Elementary in San Marcos, Texas. Okay, and, and for those listening that uh, don't know what Southwest Texas is, she's referring to what is now commonly referred to as Texas State. Yes, and I, I, I know some people who went to school back in the day there that had that name are, are opposed to calling it Texas State. But while my first degree was Southwest Texas, I actually continued going to school there, and I have a master's degree from Texas State and a doctorate degree from Texas State. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm familiar enough with that name that it doesn't irk the way it does some other people. Yeah. Uh, Law and his wife especially are very anti the name Texas <laughs> State. You can't refer to it as uh, Texas State. You got you to gotta refer to it as SWT. Yes, yes. Awesome. Okay, so explain a little bit about the work you do now through your company, Courageous Feats. Yeah, I think to explain that, I need to kind of fill in the gap between when I left that elementary campus into where I am now. I left um, a campus to work statewide in Texas supporting schools that were not meeting standards. So weren't meeting federal standards, weren't meeting state standards. And I learned a lot about requirements, legal requirements, but it wasn't something that I was jazzed about. And I got to select my own professional development through that work. And I chose to go to a coaching school and absolutely fell in love with that work and ended up being able to write a grant through that office to where I was leading and managing a statewide coaching and leadership development center. So that's really where my my love of coaching was born. Even though I'd been a coach on a campus, I didn't have any real formal, formal training. It was just kind of you're a really great teacher. Let's make you a coach to help other teachers. And I didn't, I didn't have any experience working with adults. So that evolved into, I was there for about seven years and loved it. And then ended up moving to work with the national educational nonprofit as the director of coaching for them for a few years, about two and a half years. And then just kind of decided, I finished my doctorate and decided that um, I wanted to go out on my own and and try try something different. I kept feeling like I was grateful for what I was learning in every organization I worked with, but there always felt I always felt like there was some kind of parameters, but but around what I could and couldn't do as far as supporting people with coaching. Like I want you to coach people, but I want you to coach them on this, and it was like a box within this is this is our playground and you stay in here um they didn't always say that directly but it it was essentially an undertone and I while that's important right I want to help people accomplish specific student goals and specific school-wide results at the same time there's so many personal pieces to the way that we show up in our work that I didn't feel like I was able to cultivate and nurture and help people grow in because it's you can't help one without the other, right? That they're both such huge parts of the way we show up, whether we're at work or at home. So Courageous Feats really is about nurturing both um, personal and professional parts of who we are. Um, just a little bit about the gap. Awesome. Okay, so 
Could you talk a little bit about what the importance of storytelling for teachers is and not necessarily storytelling like in terms of how you present lessons, but storytelling to build relationships? Yeah. Um, so my, I'll bring in a little bit of my dissertation here. My, my dissertation is essentially my life story. And I never imagined that that would be something I would study or even it's not at all a traditional dissertation. And I wanted to learn about all the things and I was stalling because I wanted to learn about coaching and leadership and so many different things. And my dissertation chair kind of looked at me after a while and was like, well, maybe you need to study yourself. Um, so <laughs> mind blown. And what it really came down to was the stories that make up who I am. Um, I hadn't really taken the time to reflect on the really important stories of my life and how that was impacting the way that I was showing up in my work. Um, and through that exploration, it has made me more me. <laughs> Sounds cliche, but it, it's, I'm able to show up way more authentically in with friends, with family, with professional peers, because I know and am confident about the stories of my past. And it also gives me permission to own the stories of moment-to-moment -moment events, um, the story that I could be making up in my head right now about this particular interaction with you. Um, so, so back to teachers. So that's the piece of my foundation work with stories. Um, when I think about teachers and the importance of, te one, teachers owning their stories as well and understanding the way that the big stories of their life impact the way that they show up in everyday lessons in the hallways with other teachers in the teacher's lounge when they're sitting down to get their their, form their formative or summative reviews with their principals like that those are so important but then recognizing that each of those babies in their classrooms also have really important stories that they're processing and trying to make meaning out of in their minds that, that teachers have an impact on as well. Um, we can help them cultivate powerful stories about their lives, or we can help them cultivate shameful, embarrassing stories that make them cower and, and not show up fully as who they really are. So just, yeah, just a, a powerful place or a powerful position that teachers have an opportunity to shape those kids with their stories. And you were talking a little earlier about having a skill of creating safe spaces for people. So what kind of advice would you have for teachers in trying to create safe spaces, especially for their kids to acknowledge and start to share their own stories? I think one of the most important pieces is for teachers to do the same with themselves. I can remember in college professors telling me that I shouldn't be sharing personal things about myself with my kids. And actually that's what made the most impact when I actually finally got into the classroom and started to develop relationships with his, my kids is because they learned personal things about me and they learned that I was a real person and they learned that I made mistakes, that I wasn't perfect. Um, and I admitted when those things happened as hard as it was, <laughs> right? Because the teacher is supposed to be this expert, this know-it-all. I have the information and the knowledge and I'm going to pour it into your mind. And, and that's, that's not at all the way that ended up being most effective for me. So 
first the best recommendation the best recommendation I can make is for teachers to be authentically themselves with their kids and to share those personal real pieces of themselves um, so that kids feel safe enough to do the same and when and if the kids do share to honor and respect whatever the story is that they share and to not make it wrong or bad yeah, I, I totally feel you on that, um, having professors tell you that you shouldn't share. I had a professor who was a, a teacher in the same at the high school in the same town I went to college that didn't wear a wedding ring because he didn't want his kids to know he was married. Wow, that's so ridiculous. That blows my mind. Yeah, and, and especially, like you said, for me, coming from, you know, northern Wisconsin to Houston, like, my kids knew I was different. <laughs> like they can see very clearly that I'm different and I've, and I've grown up different ways. And I've, I've always felt, you know, the same thing of really the more the kids know about you, the, the more likely you are. And, and I found a lot that if, if you don't give kids that window into who you are, they'll make stuff up. They'll yeah. create their, they'll create their own story. And it generally is not going to be one that yeah. you're going to like. <laughs> yeah, my kids knew my roommates. Um, at the time that I was teaching, I had roommates. So they, they knew who my roommates were. My roommates were a part of like our classroom parties. They knew who my dad was. Um, I actually at one point was dating somebody that worked for the district and they knew who he was. <laughs> um, they, I coached little league basketball and I coached little league softball. I don't have kids that none of, they weren't my kids that, that actually lived with me, but they were all my kids. So I was, I was out there. Um, and if, other kids played sports that I would go and watch. Like it just was important for me to create those connections and for them to see me out in the community as a regular person, not just in the classroom as Miss Garcia. Do you think it's even more important now that we live in an age of social media where even those kids as young as first and second grade have access to all those things to really show up? Absolutely. Gosh, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine having social media back then. Like it blows my mind um, still, but yeah. And that's the scary part. Like what you also hear the crazy things of some educators sharing. Ugh, I want, I don't, the word that wants to come out of my mouth is inappropriate, inappropriate things, but that's such a nasty label. Um, then, then you get into kind of the realm of like, what's okay and what's not okay, not okay to share, like getting crazy drunk or half naked pictures like that. We don't want our kids, right, to see us in that kind of light. Um, you do you, but at the same time, right, like how do we maintain a, same, a level of authenticity to who we are in our lives and be good role models for our kids, right, and and real role models for our kids. How, so like switching to teachers, how do you think the, the social media age of being able to curate all your stories and, and putting yourself out there like on Instagram or on Facebook where you select what people see, do, what impact do you think that's having on teachers' ability to be authentic? I 
I think it provides a great opportunity. Um, like there's a part of me that kind of like there's a a tiny little bit of fear that pops up, but I think the opportunity is greater than the fear. Um, the opportunity to, even if you want to create just a like a your own teacher specific social media profile and where everything that you share is actually related to what's going on in your classroom and, and could even be an opportunity to engage more parents and, and more people from the community. Um, whereas back in the day, like you, you, you close your door in your classroom and everything stays in there. But if it could become a way to share more, not just with your kids, but also with parents, um, other teachers across the hallway, other teachers across the district, across the state, the nation. Like, I think the opportunity is greater than um, the risk. Right. So, it, so it's an opportunity where you could build more community yeah. that you, sh- you may not have been able to prior. Yeah. Sharing your story a little bit more um, with the times, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so what's, what do you see as the biggest challenge with teachers you work with in them trying to be authentic with either their colleagues or their students? Hmm. I think fear. Um, I think the fear of being judged or labeled or seen as an outcast because whatever the authentic story isn't, whatever their authentic story is, the fear is that that story won't be in line with uh, what's acceptable or what everybody else's story is like. I think that um, that fear keeps us a lot of us from from taking risks and for trying new things because we we're we're afraid of what other people might think. Um, so then we don't share the reality or, or the truth behind what we're thinking or what we're feeling or what, what we've experienced. We kind of take those pieces of ourselves and shove them down into a quiet, dark little corner of our soul and, and, and we leave them there. Um, yeah. And then we're not really, we're not really ourselves. So kind of on that same vein with what you were saying, do you, what do you think the importance of uh, reflection are for teachers in terms of not just their teaching practice, but on that personal or emotional side? It's huge. Reflection is a big part of being able to own that authenticity and really getting clear on what you want, what you think, what you feel. Um, we're so busy, especially teachers, right? There, there really isn't a whole lot of downtime in your day. And when you get home, the last thing you want to do is think <laughs> because you've been on your feet and you've been thinking all dang day. So it's, it's, it's the challenge is finding and making the time to actually do the reflecting and to actually think through based on your reflections what actions might you want to take or what do you want to do differently? Um, that, that takes time. Yeah, we were, we were having a conversation earlier this week about how important reflection is in terms of maintaining like a perspective on what's really important because 
you know, be, now that I've been out of the classroom for going on 10 months, it's really been the last couple months that I've started to really have a more realistic view of my story or the way my teaching went and, and now what teachers are really going through. And reflection to me was always brought up when something was wrong. It was never really framed as, hey, this is, this is something that's good for you to do consistently because yeah I mean it it is really hard even to just take time to sit down and write two pages and a lot of what we've been hearing and been reading about too has been you know now you have the opportunity where you can just like we're doing now you can flip on your computer or your phone and you can record a, a, a video or or do a write a blog or do a podcast or whatever you want it to be but it, I think it's just I think after seven years, I was so ingrained to the way things were that there were a lot of things that I just had become used to that I ignored that now looking back, had I had the perspective, I, the, there were things that I would have stood up for. And that that's something that really has made a difference to me this year and really kind of framing how we want to work with teachers. Yeah. Yeah. That time to reflect and also bonus on top of the reflection is having someone to process those reflections with or even if it's just like a verbal vomit thinking out loud with somebody to help you process everything that's going on in your mind um is so powerful yeah do you i I guess the question i want to ask is maybe this doesn't sound exactly right but what's the difference between reflection and just being someone who continuously just complains about their job because we all know and have known those teachers who no matter what is going on they they want to complain and they want to talk they want to talk about all the time but it's only really to complain yes I, I know some of those um so what's the question is what's the difference between reflecting and just complaining because I guess complaining is a form of reflecting. Ew. It's not a healthy form of, well, right. You don't want to stay quiet about something that isn't right. So in some instances, complaining is, might be the thing to do to speak up about an injustice or something that shouldn't be happening. Um, But at the same time, I think, like I think when you when you the person you described to me is like a Debbie Downer or a negative Nancy right that kind of person yeah. that's anything that comes out of their mouth it's always from that negative perspective and nothing is ever good enough for them and never, um that for me went like in I've actually worked with a few people like that you're describing this <laughs> In, in coaching situations, and what I try to focus on with them is their mindset um, and really pulling back to get to a place where we're thinking of things in, in a growth mindset. Like, so, okay, so it's hot outside <laughs> and you're complaining about it. That's a horrible example that's not school related, but like, okay, so what's the opportunity in, on a hot day? Like, what are, what's the potential possibility? from that thing that you're describing as a horrible negative thing and really trying to shift the perspective. Even They don't have to love it, right? But just 
tiny little shifts to what's the lesson here or what's the possibility here or what's the opportunity here, I think is, and it's hard for someone to see that that's happening when that's the way that they've always lived. It may be generations of, of mindset that have been passed down from parents to kids to parents to kids that, that they don't even realize is it's normal for them. So, so it, it tiny little shifts, um, of trying to find the possibility or the lesson or the opportunity when, when situations like that come up. And to just kind of sum it up and and kind of wrap everything up. So then what's the, how does reflection help us more authentically tell our story? Well, you can't authentically tell your story if you don't know what it is. (laughs) So I think reflecting on, um, on your story is helps you make meaning and helps you to understand like what, what, so what is the story? And then recognizing that. So the story, um, for, for me, like, and if you, if you've done any work with me, you probably know this, but when I was 10, I lost my mom to suicide. And that is one of the biggest stories of my life. It changed me for, in lots of different ways. And I didn't share that with people for a really long time because I didn't want people to judge her or make assumptions about her. I'm super protective of my mother. Um, so it just was something I tucked away and I hid. Um, and I was kind of walking around on autopilot and doing all the shoulds of the things that I'm supposed to be doing in my life, go to school, get a job, keep going to school. Um, but it wasn't until I took the time to process and reflect on that moment in particular or that event in particular where I was actually able to give some meaning and context and understand a little bit more because I was 10, right? And I had my perception at the time um, as an adult, like my, my, my story is I'm so grateful for those 10 years that I had with my mom. I'm not angry with her. I'm not resentful for with her. There were so many things in her life that were going on at that time that I couldn't have even comprehended. Mental health is an issue in my family as well on that side. So there's so that on top of losing a job and not being able to find a job, like so many different things coming in for her um, that I could spend a, all day talking to you about. But, but the shift of recognizing that I was lucky to have the 10 years that I had with her because of the lessons she taught me in that time that I would have, I don't know how she fit all those lessons in 10 years. And once I started to own that and to speak up about my experience, I I was able to relax into who I really am and to start thinking for myself and break free from those shoulds. Um, and, and to also be an advocate for mental health in a way that I wasn't ever able to do before. Um, and it's helped other people open up with me about things like that, that I would have never imagined possible. So, well, Yeah, and, it's, and it sounds like, too, that that's a story that is probably not uncommon for a lot of kids, whether they live where I grew up in Wisconsin or whether they live in Houston or in Austin or wherever, that... I think that the number one thing that, you know, like with the story is our kids, you know, we, we share some of the same stories that they do. They go through a lot of the same things we went through. And that was a hard time I had here because I had never gone through anything that's remotely close to what, you know, some of the kids went through that I was teaching in, you know, downtown Houston. Like I grew up very, very sheltered. 
and very, very, very lucky to have amazing parents and family all around and a school where I always felt safe and I always knew where I was staying and, you know, where my next meal was coming from. But there are parts of my story that are the same as theirs. And, you know, I, I think the more we can make ourselves a, just a person with yeah. our kids, I think it's important. And, and law always talks about it. You can't expect to teach a kid anything if you don't have a relationship with them. And you know, let, letting them know who you are and, and what you're about is um, very important. So if you could leave our teachers with one you know, tip, one bit of advice before we go, what would it be? Hmm. I think one of the most important things for us to be doing as educators is to rehumanize education um, and to really focus on the human aspects of our kids and ourselves because that's that's all we've got you know we've, we've got our lives and and who knows what the world will be like when those babies get out of school but the human aspect is what will remain Right. And I think that's something important too, you know, with reflection and, and with, you know, perspective with the kids is you got to realize that you, you can't know the good you do for a kid in the year you have them, no. you know, that, you know, your, your coach still being there for you. I mean, I have, I, I've reached out to a couple of teachers that I grew, you know, that I had when I was growing up, cause I'm going to be home in a month. And ask them if they if we could you know if I could interview them for our podcast and they were they were all in on it so it's going to be really interesting to hear you know my I mean it's been fourteen years since I was in high school but you know to have their perspective and even just to be able to honor them for what they did for me is super important so where can people go to find out more about you follow you or things like that. Yeah. Um, my website is courageousfeats.com and that's the word courageous and feats is F E A T S.com. Um, on Instagram as courageous feats, um, Facebook courageous feats page as well. Twitter is at courageous feats. Yeah. So yeah. everything. So just, feet. just find you there and we'll, we'll link it up under underneath. So again, we super duper appreciate you and, We look forward to having you on again sometime soon. So if you want to support the podcast, please like us on SoundCloud. Go to our Facebook page, Lighthouse Educator Development. Until next time, we'll we'll talk to you soon.